0: This is the I Will Teach You A Language podcast, episode 126.
1: Welcome to the I Will Teach You A Language podcast. Weekly motivation and language learning tips to help you become fluent in any language. Now, here's your host, Ollie Richards.
0: Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, We've got a great one today, all about constructed languages. Now, what on earth is a constructed language and why should you learn it? I actually found this uh, very enlightening, um, actually, because constructed languages are not something that have really been on my radar or have interested me very much. But uh, I found this really, really quite fascinating. So I hope you enjoy it, too. Before we get into this, I'd like to thank the sponsors of the show. And um, they are italki, and you can actually get lessons in constructed languages on italki that's how good they are and if you'd like to get a free lesson in a constructed language or in a normal language like spanish or french or japanese or klingon perhaps um in fact i don't know if they offer klingon i have to find out anyway you can go to iwillteachyoualanguage.com forward slash free lesson and you get ten dollars worth of free credits that you can use however you wish so without any further ado let's launch into today's question from juan pablo
1: hello olin I'm Juan Pablo from Spain. The first thing I wanted to say is thank you. Thank you for your podcast. And thank you for your work. It's very useful. So I love languages, all of them. I speak Polish, Italian and Spanish as well, of course, because it's my mother tongue. I'm studying now Ukrainian and Russian and English, too, because I want to reach C1 level. I'm trying, but recently I've been reading, reading about Esperanto and what it defends, and I see it very interesting language. So my first question is, what do you think about artificial languages, and especially about Esperanto? The second question is about speaking. Esperanto is no one's mother tongue, so no one speaks it as a native. Could it be a disadvantage if I would like to improve my speaking skill? Muchas gracias y te deseo lo mejor. Chao.
0: Bueno, Juan Pablo, muchas gracias por la pregunta. Thanks for the question, man. It's a really interesting one. Now, um, Esperanto and constructed languages, I think you called them artificial languages. I believe the correct term for this is constructed languages um but it's not my area of expertise at all actually so i decided to bring on a special guest who knows a thing or two about constructed languages he is mr chris broholm from actual fluency chris how's it going
2: hey how's it going thank you for having me
0: no oh, my pleasure um i've been meaning to get you on the podcast for ages and i know lots of uh, listeners know who you are and listen to your podcast um so that's super cool. Um, could you just like take a second and uh let everybody know who who you are for those of you for those of people for those people who don't know who Chris
1: is?
2: oh, yeah, for sure I mean uh, you you said actual fluency, and that's where I've been podcasting language learner stories for the last two and a half years, basically interviewing successful polyglots like yourself on how do they learn so many languages and and sometimes it's actually also interesting to find out how did they even get into it in the first place because very few language, very few countries actually kind of have this natural phenomenon of of multilingualism. Belgium and and uh, these uh, Switzerland and all these European languages are sometimes mentioned as a natural bilingual countries, but many countries are just monolingual. So I was interested in in people's stories, and I decided to interview them, and release the podcast as some kind of inspiration, motivation, and uh, I've learned. A lot in the last two and a half years, and I, I hope to do many more, more. And for myself, I'm trying to put that into practice and become a polyglot myself. I'm in, I'm on sort of three to six languages, depending on how you <laughs> how you define the yeah. the ability. But uh, I'm learning every day, and I I hope to one day. Uh, reach my goal of learning 10 languages in 10 years so Ten that's where nice. i am right
0: now yeah and i can yeah, i could definitely highly recommend the actual fluency podcast for everybody listening uh lots of great discussion on on languages but um yeah so to the point at hand now am i for, we've got a few different issues here that juan pablo has raised um let's just take a few quick ones so am i right in saying that we should be saying constructed languages rather than artificial languages
2: I mean, I don't really care either way. Um, <laughs> just a little uh, disclaimer here, I, I suppose. Um, I'm not really uh, an expert on it, uh, but I have interviewed a lot of people who are, and I have have learned Esperanto and Toki myself. So that's that's kind of where I'm coming into this. Uh, people might be wondering, "Wow, this is a, a super constructed language expert or something." But no, <laughs> no, it's more on a on a, on a casual level, but. I, I don't think it matters what you say, but uh, obviously, constructed languages is, is by far the most popular term uh, out there.
0: Sure, yeah. And then, the second quick question, um, is it true that there are no native speakers of Esperanto?
2: No, that's definitely not true, because there has been a wave of parents teaching their kids, uh, obviously, is growing up, and then realizing, well, my child is going to learn the language that of the country we're living in, anyway, so we might as well bring them up in Esperanto first, and then they'll always get the second language somehow. You know, if you live in England, uh, teach your child this uh, Esperanto first. Of course, they're going to learn English in school and in the shops, you know, with the other kids and stuff. So there are a few hundred reported, and I've I've met one, so it's definitely possible. Um, but what I want to say about it, the real question is: is how can I reach? a native like fluency in a language if there are no native speakers well mm. the thing is with esperanto it's a very simple language it's a very it's it's designed to be easy to learn it's not supposed to be very complicated to be a high level speaker so people who have studied it quite a lot for a year would actually reach that level quite easily and so the people you meet at the different meetups and and, and out in the world they would have native like fluency without Actually being native speakers. So I don't, I don't think that's an issue if, if he's interested in learning uh, Esperanto.
0: I see. Right. And so how do you deal with things like, um, for example, more, more, like less frequent vocabulary? Cause that's often something that causes problems reaching a higher level in languages. Like, how do you collect enough vocabulary? Um, so how, how does that work in Esperanto? Is it, is it? And what's, what's a typical kind of source of that? Are there books? And is there reading material in, in Esperanto? How, how does it work?
2: Yeah, it has a, a, it has actually a rich rich library compared to the fact that it's a, a made-up language as some people also like to call it sometimes. Um, you know, if you go, go to uh, well-stocked libraries, you might even find something uh, once in a while. But yeah, there are definitely stories. I know that uh, Harry Potter was also translated at some point. And um, the thing about vocabulary is that Esperanto is kind of like playing with Legos in a language uh, like uh, people might be familiar with in Hungarian or, or other languages where you add stuff to the end, you know, glutinous languages. And this means that you only need really need to learn the the word stem to actually understand the meaning. So if you know... If you know the, the the word for something, you can turn it into an adjective, a verb. You can turn that verb into five different verbs, whether you want the past, present, future, um, whatever you want. So you really need a really uh, small amount of of stems to actually have a really good conversation and a really good understanding of the language. And, of course, you can make up your own words. And sometimes they are accepted into <laughs> Esperanto. The There's an official uh, language, I, I don't want to call them language police because they're not, but they're like an academy uh, where they kind of look at the changes of the language and they kind of decide the official stand on, on certain words. So there are some words that haven't been accepted and they're kind of two camps where there are some young people who... Want to implement more, I guess, cooler words. And then this academy might be a little bit old fashioned. So they want only pure Esperanto uh, stems. Um, and the, the example is something like a, a computer where, you know, you could say computilo in Esperanto, which means, which is just the, uh, the, um, the noun form of something that computes. Uh, but you can also say computero, which is more like, uh, that's kind of taken from English, the computer, and just put an O at the end. And if you're a purist, you would say "computilo" because you know it's something that computes that makes sense. But there are some arguments being made for, and obviously this word isn't so um, controversial. But there are other examples where it, it could be quite different. So right, so yeah, still you know. a very
0: kind of living, breathing language. Then I mean, even if if not necessarily, if not if not necessarily in the same way as a natural language, at, at least there seems to be a very thriving community of for people sure. behind it who are, you know, sp- speaking it, creating materials and looking after its uh, the, its future, I guess.
2: Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, one thing that you also have to remember is there are so many opportunities around the year and around the world to actually go up and meet people with it, which is, which is one of the biggest advantages, I would say, to actually learn Esperanto. It's just a great community of, of people who are very open-minded and who are very, you know, they're almost instant friends. You know, if you learn Esperanto, they know kind of a lot about your personality already. So, <laughs> if you, right. you can go to all these <laughs> meetups all over the world, and you can stay for free at the other Esperantist house with the couch surfing, actually, that was invented by Esperantists about 70 years ago. Um, and... You know, I don't know of any other languages that has this kind of following. Um, yeah, so it's very much where... a
0: community, a community thing going on. That's very interesting because I hadn't really considered uh, considered that. And it's it's a very um, it, 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 it's funny, isn't it? Because often when people learn languages, they they kind of crave that community. Like you know, if someone is learning Spanish, for example, but they don't have any Spanish friends. They can really crave that community of spanish people but it's not necessarily easy to to make those friends but i guess with this with this with esperanto you've got that kind of built-in community of people who just by virtue of the fact they're learning the language they're kind of your friend already sort of thing
2: yeah that's a huge yeah that's a huge part of it yeah and obviously now with the internet i know maybe that's 10 years too long people have been saying that, <laughs> that sentence but um it's so easy to connect as well and so easy to practice and there are so many groups and now with duolingo as well it's uh, i think there's almost half a million people registered learning Esperanto and duolingo so wow. i mean now is kind of the time and now's the time, the now's the time to do it yeah
0: <laughs> that's cool okay well i mean we've um we've kind of dealt with the question then of uh do I have a disadvantage if I want to improve? It sounds like quite the opposite, actually, because you've got such a supportive community that everything is set up for you to succeed with, with the language. Um, so I guess that the next question which he, which Juan Pablo asked is what do you think of, um, constructed languages? What's my opinion now? I mean, full disclosure. Um, I don't really have an opinion. I, it's never interested me. I, I don't, I've never really seen the point of it. Um, And I've never really spent that much time thinking about it. But I have been aware in recent years that there are many people who very much do like um, and are very passionate about uh, constructed languages. So I'm kind of cautious not to dismiss them. I mean, I think, like, the thing for me is that I've always learned languages based on my immediate need. So, you know, when I moved to Egypt, I started learning Arabic. didn't get very far, but I started learning Arabic, nevertheless. (laughs) And then, um, you know, when I when my best friend was from the Canary Islands, I started learning Spanish. That like, That's the that's the way I I learn languages generally. And obviously with Esperanto, I guess unless I married a, an Esperantist or something, I probably wouldn't have the need. I can't foresee the need for me personally to learn Esperanto. Um But I don't want to say too much more of, of my opinion because anything I say is going to be ill informed. So. You, yeah, I guess you kind of touched on it a bit, but what do you think of the pros and cons for someone like Juan Pablo who already speaks um I think he said Polish, Italian, Spanish and is learning uh, Ukrainian, Russian and English? Like what what would be the advantages of him to learn Esperanto?
2: Yeah, well that's a that's a great question. Because one of the big advantages that I usually give is a very practical pedagogical reason that it's it's an easy language to learn, so you get that sense of accomplishment which can boost your further language learning. I don't know how well that works if you've already learned you know three or two or three foreign languages, so that's a little bit mute, but I would say if you want to join a private community, have some fun. you know the language is a lot of fun you can make some ridiculous words because you can just keep adding stuff and the other speaker is going to understand you because they understand how the building blocks work um, and it's it doesn't take a, a whole lot of effort you know when we're talking about learning a functional esperanto we're talking weeks of, of of study right and you can you can then go to local meetups and meet new people all around the world and sometimes it's also used as a bridge language not very often but I was at a when I was at the Praga gathering uh oh actually sorry it's a it was an it was just a weekend in Germany I met some Portuguese people who didn't speak English or German they only spoke Esperanto and Portuguese and so I had to kind of interpret for them with the waiter in <laughs> in Esperanto and German which for me I'd only been learning the languages of uh, the language a few weeks by then so that's another little cool trick you can do especially in Asia where English ability sometimes isn't as high as as other parts of the world then if they speak Esperanto well you've just successfully spoken to a person that you would not be able to speak to otherwise yeah but at the end of the day you know constructed languages they are not totally uh, you know I, this might be a controversial opinion but i think honestly they're not that valuable especially beyond Esperanto because then the speaker numbers just I mean there's barely any uh, i learned a bit of tokipona i found that an, a, an interesting uh, exercise in uh, philosophy uh, because <laughs> it's a very simple language but in terms of practically using it i mean that's that's not that doesn't make any sense uh, again making your own constructive language is a good exercise in understanding language and again philosophy and, and stuff like a creative effort but again is that really where you want to be spending your time? so mm-hmm. I would say you know, give this brand to a few weeks, you' probably learn a good functional fluency and and then you you can decide if if you want to use it for anything, but I think the learning process itself is pretty fun because it yeah, like I said, it's regular, it doesn't have any problems uh, the the language is so easy to learn, and you just have a bit of fun with it and so then it does it does seem to make really, sense
0: as like a short as a short term project perhaps. Because it's not because you've got got that kind of way in. It's not like taking on Japanese or something where you can't. Right, exactly.
2: Yeah. (laughs) And Uh, he, he speaks all the languages, has to be said as well. You know, Esperanto is made up of words primarily from English, Italian, Spanish, and Russian. So he's well aware of the stems of the language. So his only problem is going to be like, which language did they take this particular word from? But once he see, he might actually be able to read Esperanto now because the the words are from those languages.
0: Right, yeah. So I I guess like what what I'm hearing from from you is is that in in Juan Pablo's case, and if he is looking to learn languages as a as a career tool, you know, to to create new opportunities in life, like perhaps Esperanto is not necessarily the best use of time. However, you know, to the extent that we all learn languages. For a reason, um, usually, and like, f- so for me, you know, learning Spanish initially was in order to be able to communicate with my friend in London. Um, I, I see it as a completely valid reason to learn Esperanto to, in order to join a great community of people who are like minded and love languages. And I can, I can see that as an extremely Definitely. enriching, valuable, valuable thing. Uh, it's probably not for me, I'd have to say, but, um, I'm weird anyway, so, uh, you know, I think I can see lots of people who would, um, who would benefit from that. Okay, Chris, thank you so much, man. Lots of, um, great things to think about and probably lots of new insights for people as well who haven't heard about Esperanto. Um, there are probably lots of interesting websites we can send people to, but I won't put you on the spot. I think what we'll do is we'll link to all these in the show notes. So if you'd like more information about the stuff we're talking about here, please go to IWillTeachYourLanguage.com forward slash episode one, two, six. And what I'm going to ask Chris to do is to give me a bunch of um, websites uh, that contain more information about the things that we've been talking about. And um, that way, any of you guys who are potentially interested in learning Esperanto can follow up um, in useful places so chris uh, just uh where can people find you they'd like to hear more from you
2: well actualfluency.com is is the best place that's where i have the podcast and i also have a few episodes about Esperanto. So, if people are interested in getting started with that there's a few interviews with people who are way more advanced in it than i am who know a lot more about it
0: so yeah, actualfluency.com. come and say hi. Be fun. Cool. We'll link to those at uh, those interviews about Esperanto in the show notes as well um, for everybody. Um, if you'd like to follow up again, I will teach you a forward slash episode one two six. Chris, thanks very much. Uh, thank you everyone for listening, and we'll see you in the next episode of the podcast.
2: See you later.